second episode of the Scott and the Yank podcast. I'm joined again by my co-host, Davidson Baker. His links will be down below as usual. Davidson, how's it going? It's going good, my man. Going good. I'm uh, at my... We're, we're going to get video up for this one, right? We are going to get video up. It is recording as we speak. Yeah, we're. Uh, uh, last week I was at my own apartment, and this week I'm... I'm at me Mars, but just doing a little laundry because I don't want to pay. I don't want to pay to do laundry at my own place. You know what I'm saying? Definitely not. I mean, the first thing I want to talk to you about is Ferguson Pettis announced for UFC 229. I want to get your thoughts firstly on how you think this is going to pan out because personally, I think it's just Ferguson all day. They're both quite similar in the style in terms that they're kind of dynamic, unorthodox strikers both solid black belts on the mat, but I think everything that Pettis does, it just seems that Ferguson does even better. Uh, I, I find it hard to look past the Ferguson stoppage, if I'm honest. Um, you know, it, after Pettis' last fight, mm. and winning in the manner in which he did with some absolutely beautiful... I mean, I mean, it was beautiful, and I don't want to take anything away from his performance. Of but course, of course. he was he was facing a, a, a Michael Chiesa that gassed after about three minutes of the first round due to a horrific Wait. weight cut, which had a, it did it did have a detrimental effect on his performance. Yeah, I would say, I, I would say that that's absolutely correct, and oh, it's so it's so difficult to try to carry a narrative into that fight, mm -hmm. other than kind of what you already alluded to, is that it might be one of those situations as far as in the, from the analogy sense, Ferguson, it's, it, it really could be a long night of anything you can do, I can do better. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of how I see it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to write off Pettis because, you know, the thing about Ferguson's style is it is risky. He does leave himself exposed a lot of the time, so I suppose I wouldn't be completely shocked if, uh, if Pettis was able to lock something in as he was doing one of his doing one of his crazy wee flips or whatever. But uh, but yeah, I think Ferguson will definitely be a big favourite going into that fight. Uh, the one thing that kind of strikes me about this is how pissed will Nate Diaz and Dustin Poirier be that this was announced for October sixth? Um, I, that's not, to be honest with you, that's not what my first thought was on who would be pissed. My first thought of who, who's going to be pissed off about it is what the hell do they do with Kevin Lee? Yeah, yeah, I mean, good point. It's just, the, the way I see it with Poirier is Poirier thinks, you know, he was probably promised by the UFC, if he beats Diaz, he's getting that title shot next. If Khabib and Tony Ferguson both win on October 6th at 2-9, to I mean, that's just a perfect storm to book the fight for the fifth time. Yeah, and to be honest with you, then you could kind of have Poirier, because let's be honest, Poirier has been, uh, no one no one in the history of time has ever said in the past eight or so months, dude, Dustin Poirier should really be more active. He should really fight more. No one has ever said that. Uh, Dustin Poirier has, you, you know, in, in his last three fights, all main events, all against, all against uh, previous world champions, whether you merit Justin Gaethje's World Series, a fighting lightweight title as a world title is in your own accordance. But with all of that being said, the the title world champion comes with it, and Poirier knocked it, all of those guys out. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's fair he gets the next title shot, and I think he would earn the next title shot, and I don't think that's a guy that the UFC would be against giving a title shot. However, 
you really think that they're just going to jump into Khabib Ferguson for a fifth time? I don't know. I just think that's what the fans will demand. I mean, there's been so, so much hype around that fight. I think, you know, Tony Khabib, it's been one of those fight where, fights where neither of which are necessarily massive, massive stars. I mean, they're not, none of them are, they're not a McGregor, they're not a John Jones, but that fight sells because it in itself is such an interesting fight, and that's what I like about it. So it's, it's a real, it's a real diehard MMA fans uh, fight, which, which is why I'm so keen on it. But, I mean, you bring up a good question, where does this leave Kevin Lee? Because for me, I thought Kevin Lee... Kevin Lee and Pettis was 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 probably what the fight that was going to be made. I thought Pettis probably matched up well. He matches up way better stylistically with Lee than he does Ferguson. I, who, I who do you think Lee can get next? Oh, that's a stylistic nightmare for Pettis. If we're being honest with yeah. you, because like I said, it's like they're looking in the mirror kind of, and Ferguson is just the lankier, yeah. longer. Um, I would have a hard time saying giving the edge to Pettis even in jujitsu. Yeah. Despite de, like I mean you know black belt under Eddie Edgy Bra for it means a lot of that. Absolutely, but as far as Kevin Lee is concerned, uh, I I thought the fight with him and Pettis made more than enough sense. And also mm. being that you know UFC on Fox thirty one on December fifteenth is in Milwaukee. That mm. w- as soon as I saw. Um, as soon as, because they announced that the night of UFC 226, yeah. and I saw that that was happening, and then I saw as soon as Pettis won, I was like, okay, so he, he's going to headline that card. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, now, um, what do you do if you're Kevin Lee? I literally saw, um, are you, do you know who Farah Hanun is? Yeah. She's a really awesome, really, really credentialed MMA journalist, yeah. and she was talking to Kevin Lee. And um, Kevin Lee, I have a feeling this Tony Ferguson, Anthony Pettis news came absolutely out of nowhere for him. I have a mm. feeling that he was not kept in the loop on that at all. Yeah, no, but but you know everyone's booked inside the kind of inside the kind of top ten in the lightweight division. I mean, the fights the fights for him from his standpoint now don't really make sense because what is he going to take someone who's between ten and fifteen? Is he going to fight Alex Hernandez, Dan Hooker? You know, there's he has little to gain from all of these, both of those fights, which are both very dangerous fights in their own right. We got uh, we got a main event tomorrow night that could set up a that could set up a nice fight with Kevin Lee. Very true, very true. Depending on how much damage both of them take, but we we will get onto that in the future uh, of this podcast. The next thing yes, I want to sir. talk about quickly before we jump into the linking card is just the fact that uh, yeah, Rodriguez is out of UFC two two eight. It's about with a beat. Gutted about this, and I really am gutted about this, and I kind of doubt the legitimacy of this injury to an extent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go out and say that straight. Uh, I do, I do like you, but uh, I, I'm just given given what my gut instinct reaction was to this news. Just who do you think takes the beat? Because you know, I've seen a few, I've seen a few names uh, kind of thrown into the loop. I saw Joe Janetti, who's recently released from the UFC last week. He was throwing his name into the hat. Some people were saying that uh, Ricardo Lamas might be interested in that fight, which would would really I'd be super stoked about that. Uh, some people were suggesting Jeremy Stevens on Twitter. I really cannot see that happening. I mean, no. he, he won't even get cleared to fight because that was a nasty body shot he took from Aldo. There's no way that any any kind of commission will let that go ahead. And, and even if they did, there's little to gain for uh, Jeremy Stevens in that fight. And Zabit's just so dangerous. Do we know who Jeremy Stevens' manager is? I don't know. I, I don't know off the top of my head, I'm afraid. 
I don't either, but whoever it was, if he were to let him take a fight against Sabit like that, he would need to be fired immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That, that sounds like the worst idea of all time. Yeah. Um, here's the thing about Sabit, man. Mm-hmm. When, when you step inside the octagon for the first time, and you and one of the first significant strikes you've ever thrown in your entire octagon tenure mm. is the Anthony Pettis Showtime off of the fence kick. Yeah, you're dangerous, man. And literally, mm. that that sounds incredibly. Uh, that sounds like an incredibly elementary um, analysis of it. But oh my god, I mean, a guy like Zabit Magomed Sharapov. Mm-hmm. Is so well high. I'm pronouncing that name correctly, by the way. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, um, he's one of my favorites, to be honest with you, mm. and that's why. I mean, ever every fight that he's had inside the octagon, I've been absolutely glued. Mm. Uh, he, he there's not a single thing that not only he doesn't do well, but there is not a single thing that he does not excel at. Yeah. Uh, and all of that being said, I at the whole ladder of everyone you said. Nightmare matchups. Ricardo Lamas, yeah. nightmare, nightmare. I agree. I agree. Um, Jeremy Stevens, nightmare. Um, however, you know, I, I wouldn't mind if they throw Joe Janetti in there with him. I mean, what's he got maybe, to lose? Can he, can he make 145, though? Mm, good, good point, good point. He does. Look, he did look pretty mean at, uh, at Lena big. Lightweight. I mean, his, his nickname's Skeletor, for God's sake. I mean, <laughs> God, yeah, you're right. <laughs> great, great interview with him, by the way. Let's oh, do it. Oh, yes. th- thank you very much, and great interview with Josh Emmett. Also, uh, if anyone hasn't uh, hasn't seen that, go check that out. It's, in, it's on Davidson's channel. Also, drop him a subscribe if you're not subscribed already, because his content's definitely worth checking out. Moving on to the main event tomorrow, Gaethje Vic, UFC Lincoln, both guys, there's a lot on the line for, Vic's on a four-fight winning streak recently, you know, he got the knockout over Joe Duffy, decision win over Trinaldo, Gaethje's coming out of two two losses, which are both, were both wars, you know, uh, losses to, um, to Alvarez and Poirier, two difficult opponents too, uh, how do you see this one going? So are we making pick? We making picks right now, or are we just? Or I don't know. Uh, well, it might be. A, it might be an idea to talk about. You know what this? What's kind of riding on this fight, uh, and what the kind of if factors are, because one of the big if factors is. Well, you posted it to me in, on private messenger. Is Gaethje gonna fight for a wild man forever? Is um, he gonna fight like a wild man forever? Because uh, it's so difficult because he can't sustain it. You know, health wise. Quite frankly, in that UFC Summer Fall Press conference, he was slurring his words. He is, I do agree with James Vick, and I'm a huge Justin Gaethje fan, but he does sound punch drunk, just from the amount of significant <laughs> strength. He, he does. He slurs <laughs> his words. You know, I, I, I'm just being, I've just got to be brutally honest here. Dude, he does, man. So, he, he, you know, absolutely. You know when he said after after the Poirier fight, I've only got five fights left in the UFC, so you've got to see me, that's fine. You know, if you plan to fight like a wild man, take damage for five more fights, and then run off into the run off into the sunset with all your bonuses, you know, that that's fine. But I have a feeling that Gaethje's maybe hesitant to fight a little bit smarter and bring out his wrestling credentials and show them to everyone, because as soon as he does that, he just loses his unique selling point completely. Yeah, um, and, and look, 
the thing is, though, this is an incredibly unique matchup for not only Justin Gaethje uh, in a guy in James Vick, mm. but really anyone in the lightweight division that's going to take on a guy that's as tall and lanky and and. Yeah. You know, we're not talking about Stefan's Drew here either, man. Like, th like this guy can use his distance and can manufacture countering at range effectively. However, I mean, he showed that so well in the Trinaldo fight. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It, in a performance that might not have been his best, however, mm, technically yeah. and intelligently, I agree. It, it was the right call for him to do. All of that being said, though, you're not going to escape the fight that Justin Gaethje brings because he won't let you. And mm. obviously that that over time could diminish over a 25-minute fight as we saw in the Poirier fight. I don't think Gaethje was letting Poirier off the hook whatsoever. Mm. But I, I, after a period of time, Poirier just landed too much volume. Mm. And to be honest with you, I, I can smell the kind of same type of seasoning being cooked up here in this matchup as well. Mm. If Gaethje is to win, using his kind of his, his normal madman style, two two and two in the UFC, how would you describe his UFC career so far? Oh, dude, phenomenal! Um, I would say phenomenal, but I would also say reckless and worrying for for be, his health. But to be two and two though, in the manner that he is, yeah. and to be honest with you, in those two fights that he could have easily gotten Poirier out of there in the third, mm. and he could have easily gotten Alvarez out of there um, mm. throughout most of the second. So, you know, Poirier, or, or Gaethje is just a couple of, you know, maybe different zigs where he should have zags away from being 4-0. Yeah. Fighting the way he does. Yeah. Because he fought the same way that he did. You know, it, I, I want to give you, my friend, I, I want to give you a little bit of insight as to what my fight week routine kind of is. Mm. And, what that, and what that kind of entails sometimes is I go back and watch almost everyone on the cards, mm. previous highlighted fights. And I went back and I watched some of Gaethje's World Series of Fight, World Series of Fighting fights, mm -hmm. like both of Firmino fights, the Luis Firmino, the Brian Foster fight. It, 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 it's all the same. Yeah. It's all the same. Literally every single one of them. And I don't think somebody tapping him on the shoulder and being like, hey, man, maybe you should shoot a little bit more. I, yeah. I, I don't think he's going to do it. Yeah. I mean, from a financial standpoint, it kind of makes no sense as well. Because let's face it, who's had two consecutive losses like that and still been such a big name, still been talked about, still everyone's excited to see him fight? It just doesn't happen, but but, but he, he kind of brings that. He's also, a lot of people are kind of tipping James Vick to, to get the finish here. I was one of them initially, but going back and watching Gaethje's fights, it takes a lot to finish him. I mean, he does get hit a lot, but he can hang in there. Yeah, definitely. The, the big question surrounding James Vick going into this fight is how will James Vick be able to respond against and not a guy in Justin Gaethje that's an elite level, really anything individually other than, you know, he's obviously got an elite level heart and it, just this unbelievable amount of will. But how is, how is James Vick going to fare against a guy that has not only been there with the best but has hung with the best and beat the best mm. a guy that is a true top 10 lightweight in the ufc uh, and, and not a guy 
and, and respect to the guys that he has beaten, you know, guys like Trinaldo and guys yeah. like Joe Duffy and guys like Marco Polo Reyes are all mm. tough fighters in their own sense. Uh, but but it's definitely doesn't need to be even mentioned really that this is the biggest fight of James Vick's life to this point. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, absolutely. And just going on to that point, I know we mentioned it earlier, but I do think it does make sense from the UFC's point that the winner of this should get Kevin Lee. Makes sense. Yeah, I'm trying to think what card they might put that on. Um, um you know, MSG is looking super stacked. MSG, oh. MSG looks a little. Um, MSG. Well, I mean, that U that UL and uh, Paulo Costa fight just fell through. If they're wanting a fight of that kind of hype and magnitude, then uh, then then as long as um, as long as Vicar Gaethje got, aren't injured, then that makes a lot of sense. They got um, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They, there are eight fights booked for for uh, MSG right now. Mm. Poirier Diaz, Rockhold Weidman, Brunson Adesanya, yeah, Jacare Branch. You got Sultan Aliyev against Lyman Good. Mm. Ryan Kelleher, Domingo Pilarte, Lando Venata, Matt Favola, and yesterday uh, it was announced Carl Roberson, Jack Marshman. Mm. Well, yeah, so, I, I saw Jack Marshman was on the card. That's that, that is super exciting from the standpoint that's a good of you came. I mean, that is a very good fight. Moving on to the co-main event, I actually um, I watched your podcast on the bottom light uh, or the, the preview you did on your YouTube channel when you said it seems like no one's talking about this fight. I completely agree with you. It seems like it's been so under promoted for for how important it is to both guys. I mean. You know, Michael Johnson. Um, you know Johnson. He's a guy who I think is extremely talented, and I think his record makes him out to be far worse than he actually is. I mean, he's what he's lost what five of his last six fights. But when you when you go into detail of those fights, you know they're all tough fights. He finished Poirier in the first round. He lost a split decision uh, split decision fight to Darius, which arguably could have gone either way. Um, the Diaz fight, to be fair, he was dominated. Khabib, he, he started he started the fight well. You know, he was the only person to really tag Khabib, you could say. Uh, um, and the Elkins fight, you know, won the first round dominantly. He was winning every exchange on the feet and just uh, just made quite a simple error and uh, Elkins capitalised on that with submission. So, uh, you know, I've seen in interviews that he's been saying in this week leading up to this fight that this is a must-win fight for him and you know, this is kind of a career-defining fight. I think it's kind of sad that that needs to be the case, but, I mean, no, not many people can say that they've had their last six fights against that level of opposition. Yeah, no, no definitely. And and here's the th the level of the level of opposition, like, um, bear with me while, while I, while I pull up his last, his last six opponents. His last six opponents in that stretch where he's gone one and five has been Benio, or seven, actually. His last seven opponents, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because this stretch started off with a win. He beat mm. Edson Barbosa. Yeah. Then he loses back-to-back -back fights against Benil Dariush and Nate Diaz. Mm. Knocks out Poirier in the first round. And then his last three fights, Khabib, Gaethje, Elkins. Yeah. So Barbosa, Dariush, Diaz, Poirier... Khabib, Gaethje, Elkins. Jeez, man. Mm. Mm. Murderers row, for real. Mm. I agreed with, uh, sorry, his name's just completely lost my mind. Who's the other Scottish guy that you do the podcast with? John. 
John, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I kind of agreed what he said. I mean, I don't really see what the need was for to, for Johnson to go down to 145. Because, I mean, at 155, I thought one of the main advantages that he had was he had really quick hands, you know. Going down a weight class, it kind of seems to counteract that because everyone's as quick as him anyway. Um... I don't know how I don't know how much I agree with that right. to be the, the um per se as far as not the quick hands thing mm -hmm. uh, obviously that that's going to be a fact but I I mean when you're when you're in the UFC it's not like you know maybe not per se Bellator but or even PFL now with there being a one million dollar mm -hmm. uh, light at the end of the tunnel. When you're in the UFC as opposed to being in other regional promotions or maybe even in boxing or maybe even, you know, glory kickboxing, when, mm -hmm. when you're in MMA and you're at the highest level and you are doing the things and sacrificing what you have to sacrifice and likely also getting your contract on the terms that Dana White is probably, as he is known to Ben, asking you to drop down yeah. to a weight class you've probably never cut to before, uh, all, all of that under an umbrella in and of itself and when you are at the highest level if it is really a matter of do you want to be world champion or do you just want to fight mm. and if you want to be world champion and you're motivated to be world champion and if you don't succeed you can't hang your head on that but if you just but if you just want to be there and fight you're going to get beat by guys that want to be world champions mm. and guys that make drops down to 145, like from 155 that may have lost three in a row, tells me that Michael Johnson wants to be world champion. Mm -hmm. uh, because what is a three-loss losing streak um, going to do for any type of future title aspirations? You know what I'm saying? Good point. I mean, when people do move to a new, a new weight class, it's kind of like wiping the slate, slate clean. It's a shame we didn't get that... Uh, didn't get that win over Elkins. I want to ask you, Feely's last performances against uh, Lobov and Bermudez, what did you take from them? Uh, to be honest with you, I thought Feely looked phenomenal against Lobov. Um, yeah, it was a real tactical performance. Yeah, and landed a blistering head kick on him as well mm. that I thought was going to certainly put him away. But um, Bermudez, he was a little underwhelming, and to be honest with you, that's one of one of two separate fights in um, Bermudez's recent unlucky stretch that I actually scored the fight for Bermudez. I thought Bermudez beat Feely, and I thought Bermudez beat Rick Glenn. Mm. Um, but yeah, I thought Feely was pretty underwhelmed was pretty underwhelming in his fight with Bermudez. Yeah. And also, not to mention, Bermudez, who is known for his aggression and his wrestling, he got out-wrestled mm. by Feely in that fight. Yeah. Um, I still thought Bermudez won the fight, though. And as far as Feely is concerned, I who after watching that fight, and especially with being that it was coming off the heels of the Lobov fight... Mm. What I've learned about Andre Feely is, is you really have no idea what this guy's plan is. Yeah, good point. Good no point. matter what. Mm. Yeah, he does seem to bring something new to the table every time. Where does he train? He trains over at Alpha Male, if I'm speaking correctly. Correct. What? Where do you think this leaves Johnson if he loses? Oh, man. Because uh, this, this is a fight that... Well, he's admitted himself. It's, it has so much significance. 
Uh, I don't know whether they've cut him because he's still a name. People still, people still always want to see Michael Johnson fight. So I, I think, it th- I think on, if he loses, he still gets a contract. I, I think it depends on where his contract's at. To be honest with you, yeah. I mean, if this is if this is like maybe like his last fight on his contract and he loses, yeah. I wouldn't surprise at all if the UFC lets him walk. And it also uh, depends on how competitive this fight is. Yeah, very good point. Yeah. Um, especially with a guy like Andre Feely who's got really long legs and is dangerous off his back. Mm. Um, uh, I, uh, I want to see both guys win. I like both guys, yeah, to be me honest. Too. With you. Me, um, too. me too. And I, I believe Andre Feely is probably still quite young, if I'm speaking correctly, too. I think he's – was he in his mid-20s? Mid to late-20s, I believe. He is the very tender age of 28. 28, I see. Not as young as I thought. Moving on, uh, we've got Courtney Casey versus Angela Hill. You know, uh, you know, Hill, she's got a good stand-up. She looks good against Moroz, but she, she was outclassed against um, Nina Ansaroff. Uh, just absolutely. I mean, Casey's... Who's not a pair, by the way. Yeah, I mean, Casey's on, uh, Casey's on two consecutive losses. Probably has the advantage on the ground, it's fair to say. Yep. Um, oh, I definitely see this fight going the distance, but that's the only prediction that I'd care to make. I think uh, on that one, I, if I had to, if you had to force me to one, it'd be held by decision. Uh, but yeah, what's your kind of assessment of this contest? This is definitely Angela Hill's fight to lose. Yeah, if you ask me, I, I don't. And and you got to feel for Courtney Casey if I'm being if we're being honest. I mean, as just like the aforementioned Dennis Bermudez, just really. I, I don't know what type of mixed martial art judges conference or banquet. Um, oh, yeah, because her, her, uh, her losses to um, what's, uh, Waterston she and Herrick, they were both, yeah, I agree, I agree. And yeah. I, 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 had, I had a parlay running with Watterson, though, on that fight. Mm. So, like, I was like, I, like, thought I was done and stuff. And then they announced her to win. I was like, yes. I was like, nah, what? Was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, there's no way in hell Watterson beat her. And um, the Herrick one, you know, that could, that could be argued. There's plenty of people on social media, too, that saying she won the fight. I personally had it scored just for uh, just for Herrick, but... Um, me too, me yeah. too. I, I was there, I was there, so... Right. Um, it, that was a wild fight. Mm. Um, Court, with, with the whole... Um, with, with the whole Courtney Casey, like, flicking, like, the blood booger at her. Yeah. And like, then giving her the middle fingers and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as this fight is concerned, though, Courtney Casey is going to need to capitalize on her ad- on her advantage in the submission game. Yeah, agreed. as far as Angela Hill is concerned, though, Angela Hill has some of the best takedown defense. Yeah, in the she has fight. really good wrestling credentials. It's going to be tough to bring that fight to the floor. It, it, on a hundred percent, and when it's tough to bring a fight to the floor against as polished a kickboxer mm. as Angela Hill is. Mm. Um, you know, I, 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 I really cannot see, other than, other than probably one other fight on the main card that mm. we'll get to, uh, my most confidence on this main card probably will, be, will reside at Angela Hill. Mm. Um, behind one other man. We'll get to him. Would he be Eric Anders by any chance? He would. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about that fight with Tim Williams. Last time I checked, Tim Williams was seven to one to win this fight. Uh, I mean, I think people are taking a wee bit of credit away from Tim Williams. I think it, it, it's it's closer than that, but 
you know, with a guy that hits as hard as Eric Anders and someone who gets rocked like Tim Williams, there, there can only really be one outcome as far as I'm concerned. First round KO. I have, uh, I, have, I, have, I have a second round KO. I think Williams will be very cautious and very hasty in the first round. Second round, he'll be forced to open up a bit, and that's, that's when I see Anders getting the finish. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I see Anders getting the finish at some point, and you're talking to a guy uh, in, in myself that believes that Eric Anders not only beat Leota Machida, but yeah. comfortably beat Leota Machida. In my I opinion, agree. you could argue he won that fight four rounds to one. Mm. Um, probably three rounds to that two. That was but... in Brazil, wasn't it? Yes. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Um, but the thing and, is... And that's this... the only loss in his record as well. He's 10-1, which is he was very un... impressive. So, uh... Undefeated, only loss being a controversial split decision against Leota Machida in Leota Machida's hometown. So yeah. that's not shabby. No, no. So uh, I, arguably 11-0. And Eric Anders is, you know, another one of these guys that comes in from the LFA, yeah. um, you know, as as per se, you know, the, the LFA middleweight champion usually ends up coming in to the UFC. And, you know, we got another former LFA middleweight champion on this card and Marcus Perez. Yeah. All of that being said, um, I, I, I don't – I mean, do, do you see Tim Williams having an advantage anywhere? Like no, any... no, he doesn't, does he? I, I, I don't he, think so he, at he all. He can't take Anders down. Anders will obviously be determined to keep the fight on the feet. So we're kind of seeing the same. We're kind of seeing the same kind of conundrum that we saw with uh, the Hell Casey fight. You know, in two thousand and nine, I remember. I'm sitting, you know, because I we we all know, as far as Europe is concerned, and mm. as far as the UK primarily is concerned how they feel about the word football and how America feels about the word football mm. and how, how it differs. And Eric Anders was a, a star standout starter at outside linebacker in American football for the, for it, for those that are listening to this, that may not be aware, he, Alabama, where he went to college, mm. Alabama is, Alabama is if Mohammed, if Eric Anders is Mohammed mm-hmm. and Mohammed, you know, flocked to Mecca. Alabama is Mecca. Alabama is the Mecca of college football. Mm-hmm. They have been number one in the country at some point for the past eleven seasons in a row. Right. To be able to play football at the University of Alabama, not only play and not only start, but contribute. Yeah. You have to be an absolutely unbelievable physical specimen mm. of just sheer athleticism. Mm. And, and that's what Eric Anders depicts and literally oozes, to be honest with you, mm. in the octagon and like he did on the football field, to be honest with you. Mm. Mm. Another interesting fight in the card is Mickey Gow and George Sull- Sullivan. The question that you kind of posed to me... Uh, uh, through private message, and the question that I'll get on to answer is, can Mickey Gow's uh, hype train start again? I believe so. I mean, he's only suffered one loss. He's still 4-1, 3-1 as far as I'm concerned, because that CM Punk win shouldn't count as a win on your professional record. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, George Sullivan, he's a guy who's not got a particularly good takedown defence. 
He's not particularly instinctive on the ground. Four of his six professional losses come via I, submission. He lost his last fight um, via rear naked choke, which is uh, which is Gal's special. Bread and butter. Yeah, that's what he got his first th- first three professional wins. Uh, that 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 was his submission method. I, I it's it's I find this card incredibly, and I could be wrong, but I find this card looking at it on paperly on paper incredibly easy to predict in comparison with uh, other cards. You know, I um I. I, I would like to sit here and pretend that I have something to counter to to that, but I don't at no. all. I, I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, there is there is no way that um there there is no way that I could see this fight going any other way. You got to give it got to give it to Mickey Gall. Rear, rear naked choke too. Like yeah. I, I if if you could make a bet if you mm. if you could. Like how they have props with win by submission and win by certain stuff. If you could make a bet by type of submission, dude, mm. I I am so confident he's going. <laughs> yeah, I can sink those hooks in. Yeah, uh, really am. He's, and, and as far as the getting the hype train going again, he's still a young guy. He's only twenty six years old. He's got plenty of time to flourish. Uh, as far as how early he gets his submission, I'm gonna say second round. Yeah, me too. Yeah, uh, we'll get to that. We're 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 picking whole cards, right? Yeah, yeah. We'll, For the we'll, UFC. Yeah, but let's let's pick the whole card. Uh, pick the whole card later on, and we can do methods. Uh, we can do the three point system, and well, actually, I will remember to score it this time because we can. Oh, play... I, I I scored last week. I think you won. No, you did. Oh, did I? We were both three and one. We right. both went three and one, but you had five points. I had four. Right. I see. I see. Well, yeah, I was one point. Yeah, I mean, uh, with this card, I think we're going to be picking a lot of the same things. The only thing that will really differ will be the rounds, I think. But going on to a fight that's a lot harder to predict, let's talk about the James Krause fight uh, facing uh, Worley Alves. That one's a hard fight to predict. That's one that I would not feel safe betting on anyway. The question that you posed to me, yeah, was, you know, is it a good move? Krause was on a four-fight win streak at lightweight. Is it a good move going uh, going to welterweight? No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Because you know he's he's one. He was one win away from getting someone in the top fifteen. Another great interview by you, by the way. If oh, I must say so. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, but you're the new king of interviews. You know that, right? <laughs> well, it's getting harder and harder to get these uh, to get these fighters on as time goes by. But uh... what are you talking about, man? You keep you you keep you know you just had Charles Bird. Yeah. Uh, well, there's, there's, uh, a, no, big, there's, a, there's a big there's a big big one in the in the works. That I'll tell you once we finish recording. But uh, I don't want to ruin oh, it for right. Please. But yeah, I'll let you know. Uh, but yeah, Kraus. You know, but I suppose. He was telling me that, you know, he prefers it because he gets to spend more time with his food. He doesn't have to worry with his kids eating food. He doesn't need to worry about uh, dieting. It means he can train more intense because there's less of a calorie deficit. There is an argument, though, to say that a happy fighter is a better fighter. There's also an argument to say, though, that when Morley Alves gets a hold of your neck. Agreed. He's gonna choke you out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and listen, I, there's nothing I want to take away from James Krause whatsoever. To win four fights in a row in the lightweight division in the UFC is in, an incredible accomplishment. Yeah, and he, he says exactly high standards for himself. In his fight with Alex White, you know, I thought that was a very very good performance, but he was not satisfied with it at all. In the interview, he said, "Nah, I didn't think that was a good good performance by myself by any means." Yeah, I think, you know, the, the norm of guys in the UFC that would probably assess themselves performance-wise as such when they don't get finishes. 
Yeah. Mm. You know, but as far as James Krause is concerned, um, I, I'm not totally against his move up to welterweight, and mm. I don't totally – the, throw the four-fight win streak out the window. Mm. Uh, it, it, it's not a bad idea. However, is Worley Alves a yeah. not-so-good matchup for him? Yeah. He, uh, Worley, he's, he's not. I agree, I agree. I can only pay him the utmost respect, though, because he was telling me he doesn't need to fight because he's, he, you know, he's got his financial situation outside of fighting completely figured out. What what drives him is the competition, and he only wants to accept matchups that he thinks will be a challenge. So, props to him. You know, he's not picking easy fights for himself, but uh, I, I can. Yeah, that's, that's a that's a brutal matchup. Yeah. Um, Orly Alves is a guy that a lot of people need to remember. Is uh, you know some they they they. At... Hello. Yeah. Parade Brazil. Okay. Yeah, they just threw a parade for him in Brazil since he's the only guy to ever beat Colby Covington. Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> he, he, wants to, he wants to beat him again, too. Mm. And, he's, and he's again. super young, Alves, as well. He's still got plenty of time to develop. I think he's 26 as well. Plus, uh, what people need to look at, the, at that fight particularly, Alves is a massive favorite. Like, he's mm. a, he's a, he's... Yeah, uh, I don't necessarily agree with that. Cause, uh, I don't need... I don't either. Like, I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, yeah. I, I, I don't think Krauss can finish him, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a, a decision win for Krauss. Yeah, to be honest with you, I think Krauss might have more ways to win the fight. I don't yeah. think Krauss, I don't think he's going to get knocked out by no, Alves. No, but I'm no. Tell, and I'm, I'm telling you, man, if Worley Alves gets a hold of your neck, you, it's, it's over. finished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The next fight we're going to talk about is a fight that, as you can imagine, I'm very excited for. Can you take a guess for what that is? Jojo, did you see their? Did you see their stare down? Uh, no, I didn't. I've not actually watched the way in stare downs. Oh, you haven't? No, no. But can I just say thank goodness for the third consecutive UFC event, every fighter made weight. No, 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 man. Fifth. Is it the fifth? Fifth in a row. Because I thought it was Calgary two two seven. It was Boise. It was Boise oh, Hamburg yeah. Calgary two twenty seven and For now forgot fifth. Um, shout out to M MMA Junkies, uh, status, statistician wizard, uh, Mr. Mike Bone. He, <laughs> yeah. he, uh, he's one of my favorites, man, yeah. by the way. Um, he, it consistently keeps everybody in the know. He, he says, this is a direct quote from Mike Bone on Twitter. Five consecutive UFC cards now where everyone has made weight. This mm. will be tied with the July to August 2016 five-card stretch for the longest run without a miss in the early weigh-in era. That is fantastic. I mean, it's pretty spectacular considering no kind of new sanctions were introduced. Exactly. I was about to say, I think it may have saved the morning weigh-ins. Yeah, good point. They were about point. to change them. Yeah, they were about to change them. But to be honest, I think Dana White probably would have had some uh, ran into a few issues with the commissions trying to make that happen. Because when you look into the reasons behind, behind that, it was because science backed it in terms of rehydration of the brain and rehydration to, uh, to, to the rest of your body. <laughs> On fight night, so I think he would have struggled to move it back to back to the afternoon in some states with some athletic commissions. Yeah, no, I, I agree. However, to be honest with you, I, I agree that it could have been a bump in the road. Mm. But I, as far as the commission being the commission being the ones at the end of the day to be standing in the way, mm. 
I I I don't I don't see why um, a board of people as incredibly selfish and horrible types mm. of people as athletic commissions are. Because let's make no mistake about it, they they are incredibly selfish human mm. beings. Um, I I don't see. You know, I, I don't see if, if, if Dana White comes up to a commission and says, hey, you guys want to sleep in and come in the middle of the day? Mm. Hell yeah. Mm. That's more time for, that's more time, especially in Nevada, for like people like Adelaide Bird and them yeah, to collect their, collect their bribery checks. <laughs> Corrupt. So, Joanne, uh, the Joanne Caldwell fight, both fighters have a lot to lose, both on two fight winning streets. This is um, JoJo's uh, £125 debut. Yes. It'll be interesting, you know, obviously both of these both of these fighters, they both have, uh, they both got heavy hands, they both have knockout power. It'll be interesting to see where, where if JoJo's power is helped or hindered by the move to £125. I think that'll be a big factor. I think it'll help her to be honest with you. I think you know, for as far as females are concerned, yeah. um, you should really be only fighting at 115 pounds in, if you can also make 105 pounds. Because mm. uh, I'm an advocate, we we should get an at we should get an atom weight division in the yeah. US. Yeah, dude, watching atom weights is like an invectus. Yeah, <laughs> dude, it's like watching shit on fast forward. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it is insane how fast they are. And Invicta has multiple very, very good atom weights. It does, it does. Uh, but with all of that being said, you should really only be fighting at 115 if you look the part, and not only look the part, mm. but obviously politicize that by weighing the part. Mm. And being someone that can... Uh, what's what's the words I'm trying to look here for? Women, women in particular. This is this is just a fact. Yeah. When, women have a lower mass mass body index because they are not as large as men are. Yep. They are not as stocky as men are. Mm -hmm. They have estrogen. They they cannot produce testosterone. The, there are a lot of reasons why cutting weight for women is a lot more dangerous than than it is for maybe per se men, and that's not like me sitting here being like, boys are tough. No, no, I know. No, it, it's not me saying that at all. Um, however, it, it it can really benefit one's power in and in and in specifically a case like a Joanne Calderwood uh, by mixing the fact that she would need to continue to drain herself and lose mm -hmm. 10 pounds. I mean, I, I think the move up to 125 is perfect for her. Mm -hmm. And I, I think she's not only going to do well, but in a division that's kind of really there for the taking, I think we might see her make a climb. Mm -hmm. I mean, interestingly, another interesting factor is this is the first uh, full camp that she's done over in Vegas at the PI. She said she had a lot of problems with uh, recovery, you know, just not injuries per se, but just sore bits here and there. And I think there she can get kind of the adequate recovery, which will help her a lot come fight night. But, you know, as much as I want Jojo to come away with the win, she's got a big task in front of her because if this fight does hit the ground, she's in trouble. Uh, you, you think she's in trouble? I don't know. I was... 
just in preparation for this fight, I was watching uh, some of uh, Farah's fights, and her, she, on the ground, she she can move and wrap things up very well. Calendra Faria, you yeah. talking about? She can also get submitted herself, too. Yeah, it has happened. She got, has happened. She got submitted in her UFC debut. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think Joanne Calder really did. This is a matchup I like Calderwood in all day, I think. I yeah. think that maybe would I give the edge to Faria potentially on the ground? Sure. Mm. Mm. But would I say that Faria, or would I say that Calderwood is in trouble the second the fight hits the mat? Uh, I don't know if I'd agree with that. Do you ever do something where you want a fighter to win so much that you almost prop the odds against them in your head to mentally prepare yourself for if well, they to happens? Yeah, 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 dude. I think that's possibly my problem, yeah. And you, dude, I don't blame you, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, we have very, we have completely, uh, there, there is. There's no reason at all mm. for me to sit here every time an American is fighting and be like, USA, USA, because yeah. there's, there's hundreds of, of fighters in the UFC from America. I mean, but, it, but in your case, man, you know, seeing someone from your home country, you know, go out there and, re and represent the flag the mm. way that everybody you know from back home knows that they can mm. uh it, it's a special thing yeah i mean there's, and, only, there's only a few scottish fighters uh, signed to the ufc one paul, just got a fight book too yeah mm -hmm. paul craig bad matchup for paul craig yeah I, he, he's all he's been given since he entered the ufc part of his first fight is bad stylistic matchup for him i mean they have fed him to some absolute lines i mean they gave him tyson pedro in a second fight yeah, but I mean, Tyson Pedro was like what four four and zero. Oh? Yeah, he he wasn't as as established at that point. Yeah, and and also, I mean, I I hear what you're saying as far as like giving giving someone like Paul Craig mm. a, a killer in their mm. second fight. But we got to remember too, the light heavyweight division is the thinnest division yeah. out of all male divisions in Good the point. UFC. Mm -hmm. Um. So so that being said, the the. There's not a whole lot of times that the UFC can make light heavyweight fights and be like, yeah, like, hey, we, we did a good job. There, there's a lot of times they'll they'll make fights and be like, yeesh. Mm. Uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, dude, the, so the, the Brazilian Contender Series is on right now. Yeah. Uh, live on Combate right now. And this girl just got knocked out cold. Really? In the first? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying – if if we could if we could deviate quickly and 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 just talk real quick about mm -hmm. the this Brazilian contender series, yeah. Well, Why the hell is it on tape delay? <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, the Brazilian what? contender series it makes a whole Why lot of sense. Why does Bellator do that? Why Why does Bellator do that? Mm. Why are we doing that here? I mean, like. Why has anyone ever looked someone else in the eye and say, "Oh, tape delay"? Y yeah, that that's a good idea. Yeah, the fans will love that. Mm. What? What <laughs> yeah. are you talking about? No, good point. Like, it's a terrible idea. I, I'm sorry. I just gotta say that it's uh, horrible. I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Jake Ellenberger has a very tough fight ahead of him tomorrow night. Yeah, and Brian Barberina. Not, not a great matchup from Ellenberger's perspective. He's lost five That's out of six. Another great interview from you, though. Thank you very much. Uh, four out of uh, four out of uh, his five losses have come from by way of uh, knockout or TKO. Barbarian is a guy that hits you a lot. 
Ellenberger gets hit a lot. Do you think if he does get finished in this fight, it's probably time for him to walk away? Ellenberger? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Do. I think there comes a time where you can't justify... If you're taking a lot of shots, like Justin Gaethje is, or Jake Ellenberger is, if you're coming out with that kind of style... It's got detrimental health effects, you know. Get, taking that, taking that many shots to the head must have a ha, have an untold effect on 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 your brain and its health in later life. To be taking those kind of shots, you've got to have the kind of financial benefit. Keep going. So yeah, so be, so, so to be uh, to be taking those shots, I think you've got to be being rewarded financially, like like Justin Gaethje has. Been, by by uh, by taking this kind of damage, Ellenberger, a guy that's not a big draw, I I don't think it's worth it personally. No, I don't either. Um, and to be honest with you, uh, this is another fight I don't agree with on, on the odds perspective. I I mean I I don't think Brian Barberena is a four to one favorite. No. Uh, they, however, does he probably have the advantage? Yeah, I mean, mm. he's younger, he's talented, he's hungry. Um, we all know that MMA is a young man's game. Yep. I, I I don't see this fight being a landslide, though, like the odds makers do. Mm. I, I was very shocked to see Brian Barbarena was, you know, as favored as he is. Mm. All of that being said... Especially coming out of a year, um, a year's injury. I mean, we've not seen him in a year. You know his, what? His injury sounded nasty as well. Yeah, when he was talking about the yeah about the bone and yeah. Can we just say though how massive, like, how absolutely massive his win over Sage Northcutt was for his career? Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. That was a massive mm. win for his career. Mm. I, um, I mean, at, at the time, I mean, the, the hype around Sage Northcutt was, in hindsight, what? stupid. But <laughs> the hype around anything away. You think it was stupid? Why? Uh, Sage. I think he was a guy, and I don't think it's his fault, you know. You know, Sage is a guy who's subject to a lot of criticism online. And he's, there's kind of been a narrative that everything was given to him. And that's not Sage's fault, you know. The kid possesses a lot of ta talent. He's 22. But I think he was pushed into everything far too quickly and given far too much credit. I mean, to, to make your to make your octagon debut at 19, fair play, but they were building him up into some kind of John Jones. Like, take take well... it slow. Yeah, no, I agree. And, uh, and why I think the UFC might have done that is because, you know, he was found on the pilot of Dana White looking for a fight. So, yeah. you know, you kind of you kind of put two and two together there. If you're the UFC, you're like, we got this pilot episode of this show. That's, yeah. you, know, you know, we don't know like, how exactly it's going to do. It's on YouTube. But we found this guy that looks like Ken, that looks like that looks like a grown version mm. of Ken, the Barbie doll. And, mm. and he, he can he can do spinning shit karate a triple backflip suplex jumps mm. like you know, I completely made all of those words up right there. But I mean the the, the capabilities this guy has as an athlete yeah. are, th are are incredible. And you know uh, for the UFC, you know, seeing him and that being literally their first episode, mm. um, they probably were like, oh my god, like we really found something here. Like mm. maybe this is the new thing. Yeah. This is before the Contender Series was ever thinking, because in my opinion, the Contender Series is the best idea other than the first season of The Ultimate Fighter that yeah. the UFC had. Mm. Uh, but other than all of that, and back to the back to the topic at hand, uh, for Brian Barberena to beat a guy like Sage Northcutt, mm. 
People really think that Sage Northcutt is really all hype and smoke. Well, we saw in his fight against Zach Otto when he finished it with hammer fist from up top. Very true. Uh, you Very know. good point. Yep, yep. That's I mean, he, he, yeah, Sage, Sage dropped him with a jab. I mean, yeah. yeah. Nah, People was... drop with jabs a lot lately, though. Moicano drops Swanson with a jab. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Why Sage is it kind, it kind of seemed like Sage, you know, in the early stages of his career, he didn't really. I think I think the move to Alpha Male was a phenomenal one for him because it seemed like he was jumping about from camp to camp. He was helping Woodley prepare for Wonderboy. He didn't really have a home. I think now he's got his home and like a set of coaches. Uh, I think his wrestling's going to improve significantly as well. Not not that it was uh, that it was mediocre by any means, but um, yeah, no. But but yeah, no. I, th- I think we're going to see him turn it into a really good, really well-rounded fighter. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And when when you look at it, um, kind of on the when, – when, oh, my gosh. I, I get in these – these I, I get where I overthink sometimes. I try mm-hmm. to word things, you know, in the, in the correct fashion. But why a guy like Sage Northcutt is a guy like that is because, like, we're talking about him right now. He's not on this card. He has nothing to do. He has nothing to do with this. Weekend. Good point. Mm-hmm. Um, but Brian Barber, Brian Barbera fought him in the past. And if you could switch to talking, talking about Jake Ellenberger, um, you know, to be honest with you, the, the elbow from Mike Perry. He was never the same. I don't think he'll ever be the same again, dog. That was yeah, that was a... brutal. I mean, he was on the floor for a solid three or four minutes after that, and he was out the second yeah. connected to yeah. like his back curled, and you're just yeah. like, oh, yeah. I, I almost find those knockouts horrible to watch. I almost do too, but then again, I have to remember that, you know, (gasps) most MMA fans get into MMA from when they're in their infancy, loving, you know, typing in on YouTube, UFC best knockouts of all time. True, true. And then when you want to get more educated, you want to get more educated, and then, you know, hey, maybe maybe you become a John Sloan by the end of the day, you never know. (laughs) Before we go on to the our like final predictions, which I hope I can get a second victory in, uh, I want to talk to you a bit about just for a few minutes about YouTuber boxing. There's a big fight this weekend between KSI and Logan Paul. I just want to ask uh, you how you feel about this because I was listening to Believe You Be with Michael Bisping, and he was saying it's almost disrespectful and a kind of disregard to combat sports that these two people, you know, people work their whole lives to get to, to an event of that magnitude with that many eyes on it. And, and it's almost paying a disrespect to combat sports that these people that, let's face it, aren't athletes, they've been boxing for three months each, can get this hey, much height. Lo- Logan Paul, uh, let me let, I think Logan he's going Paul to destroy from KSI. Men, I completely disagree. But Logan Paul, yes, Logan Paul is a tremendous. Logan Paul is a tremendous athlete. I agree, and that's what I think will be the difference. I mean, he had two hundred college wrestling matches and won the majority of them. I don't think people who who don't follow MMA from the UK realize how tough you need to be to, to survive that long in college wrestling. Yeah, man, and not only that, um, Logan Paul, I believe. Is from the the great state of Ohio, mm. which is where I find myself sitting in this exact spot at this right. exact moment right mm. now. Um, and I actually had a buddy of mine reach out to me and ask me because I, I tweeted out my prediction a, a little while ago. I think KSI, I think KSI knocks out Logan Paul in five. 
But I think Jake... Logan think... Paul, Inside 2 is my prediction. Two! Inside 2. Wow. Um, you know, this is a crazy... Do they have odds? Please they do not... They don't have odds. And Hold on, what, guess, what are guess they? Guess who's a favourite? I don't want. I don't want you to tell me. I, I don't. I don't want you to tell me. Okay. I, I'm, I'm looking it up. I don't, I don't want you to tell me. I had no idea. I just looked this up before this podcast started. For a matter, as a matter of fact, I didn't even think they would have odds. They have odds. They do. Have I'm odds. not surprised. Actually, this is a, this is in Ma- at the Manchester Arena, right? It is at the Manchester Arena. I bet tickets were crazy. Okay, pull up on Bovada. You ever heard of Bovada? No. It's uh, what I use to bet because uh, sports gambling is not legal in ma- the majority of America. Really? It it actually literally, and I, I kid you not, literally mm. a little over a month ago was just passed by Congress to right. become a state-by-state state type of thing. Because uh, yeah, so gambling of... is massive here in the UK. Oh, yeah. Huge. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's see. Because I see the fight, the the betting odds for tomorrow night's like actual boxing fights: yeah. Isaac Dogbe, Ray Beltran. Huh? I'm okay. Tell me because I I, I don't see him on here. Uh, Logan Paul is an eight to thirteen favorite. Uh, I don't know how that kind of corresponds with. Um... Well, I mean, you just have to do the math. Yeah. It's like, like. Blah, blah, blah. By like minus, you know, yeah, it's it's that, that makes him that makes him quite a strong favorite. Little bit, little bit, it does. Um, okay, odds checker. Who are the odds according to? Oh, yeah, I just checked on the uh, William Hill, which is a British bookie. I just checked on their app before I came on. William Hill is where you looked. Yeah, that's where I looked. Um. Yeah, I don't know if they'll even have American odds. Eight to thirteen. I'm surprised. Um, I like KSI. I gotta be honest with you. I do. He's got the speed. He's got the power. Uh, Logan Paul is the smaller man. Mm-hmm. If we were if we were in MMA, Logan Paul would have my would have my vote. And I you believe can take, he trained MMA for a couple of years actually. You can you can take my money on Logan Paul all day if we were in MMA. Mm-hmm. Um. But I'm gonna go with KSI. Right. So okay. So let's do let's do a prediction for that one before we go into the main card. I'm going Logan Paul second round knockout. I'm going KSI um, fifth round TKO, and then in the co-main event, I think Logan Paul's brother Jake uh, wins his fight by decision. I think that uh, um, KSI's brother Deji wins by TKO. Wow, have you seen videos of him training? Trust me, I have, but his coach... He doesn't look I, was good. Listening, I was listening to an interview uh, as uh, coach Vidal, KSI's coach Vidal Raidy, and also the former coach of uh, his little brother were talking about it, and he said that he actually thinks that the, that the natural talent that Deji possesses is scary in, in terms of movement, timing, and speed. Who said that? Vidal Riley, KSI's coach, he's also a professional heavyweight boxer yeah. who was a bronze medalist at the Olympics. Right. Yeah, I'm not buying that. <laughs> sorry. I'm, 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 sorry. I, know, I'm going to send you I, a link to that interview after this. I, I think that's a lie, <laughs> to be honest with you. Right, okay. Now, if you, if you, do you have up the, the full linking card? Yeah, I got it. 
You wouldn't mind just reading through the fights and we'll do our predictions for that. Yeah, take a look. Um, here, because... Can you see... Because you can see my screen even though it's recording on it right now. Um, I can share my screen. I mean, I know I can. Um, Wait, two uh, seconds. Uh, I'll just go grab my phone and then I can just have it out there because uh, I don't want to go off this in case it messes up the recording thing again. For sure. Yeah. Two seconds. What'd you say? I was like, while you were walking away, I was about to be like, and support from the Scott and Yank podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Fake elevator music in the background while we're on standby. Uh, USC Lincoln. Where do you look for most of your stuff? You use Tapology. I do use Tapology. Tapology and Sharedog are kind of my two go-to. Tapology, honestly, um, Tapology could be where you and I could keep score. Um, oh, I could be. You can do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll create a fantasy thing and uh, I'll invite I'll invite you when awesome. when we're done. Sounds good. So, uh, first we're gonna go with uh, Yaya and Sanders. What do you think for that one? Um, and and when we make these predictions, are we cool to maybe like say say some couple brief thoughts and? Yeah, of course, of course. Into, uh, by by all means, by all means. Um, you know. I don't really know why this fight was made, to mm. be honest with you. Uh, when you look at the two's record, yeah, sure, they're coming off a win. But, yeah. I mean, like, you know, I, first grade for me was, you know, when I was six years old, I can see when people are coming off wins and things. Mm. Um, because when you look what, – what, what jumps off the page for me is that Ronnie Yaya, I believe, is 10-3 and three in the UFC. And uh, Luke Sanders is 2-2. Two and two. Mm. Uh, Luke Sanders could very well be 4-0, yeah. to be honest with you, because yeah. Luke, Alcantara got him in that knee bar after he was being dominated for so mm. long. However, as you alluded to earlier talking about Calderwood and Faria, it, when you said, if, and what I disagreed with, when you said if, Falder, if Calderwood is goes to the ground with Faria, she's in trouble... Uh, I, I believe that is definitely the case here with Luke Sanders. If if really almost mm. any bantamweight, I, I would say ninety five percent of bantamweights right now, if they go to the ground with Ronnie Yaya, it's over. Not yeah. only are they in trouble, the fight's over. Yeah. Um, and I see that becoming the case here. I've I've already made my pick for this. I'm trying to figure out exactly what it is. If my computer will load, uh, Yaya sub in the first round. I'm gonna go Sanders by decision. Okay. Drew Jober, John Tuck, which was a fight that we didn't have time to go into. Uh, we didn't have time to go into properly, but that is a super interesting fight as well. I think that's probably one of the clo it's probably fair to say that's one of the closer fights to call on the card. Yep. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of thoughts about it either. I mean, it's just you know, honestly, that fight's a fight. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go fight. Dober by decision. I am going to agree with you. Right. Exactly. Joanne Calderwood. I'm gonna go with JoJo getting a second round knockout. So you think she's gonna finish her? I think she's gonna finish her. 
I think she could finish her, and I definitely think that it would not be uh I wouldn't be surprised if it went to the Yeah, and th that that's where I'm kind of leaning. Mickey Gal, George Sullivan. We kind of touched on this, but I think second round rear neck and choke for Mickey Gal. Yeah, I have the same. I have the same. Oh, Andrew Sanchez and uh, Marcus Perez. That's a good fight. Uh, I think I think Perez by decision. I got Sanchez by decision. What did you pick for uh, Yaya and Sanders again? Uh, for Yaya and Sanders, I picked Sanders by decision. Okay. Uh, and, oh, this is another one that we didn't, we didn't have time to get into many, but uh, Corey Sandhagen uh, making his 135 pound oh, debut. I love this fight. I love this fight as well. Uh, Alcantara. I seriously love this fight. Oh, um, it's such a great fight. This, I'm, I'm going to go with Corey Sandhagen, if I'm honest. Yeah, me too. Um, I think Sandhagen's the real deal. Now, how is he going to be affected dropping down to 135 as a yeah. guy that is a huge bantamweight and, yeah. in my opinion, looks more like a natural featherweight? Yeah. And especially against a guy that has fought the who's who at 135 pounds like Yuri Alcantara has. Yeah. But I, I'm, on, I'm on the Sandhagen train, 100%. I got to agree. I, I am as well. I'm going to say by decision. Uh, I think Sanhagen gets him out of there in round three. Really? Right, okay. Uh, oh, uh, Kraus and Alves. I'm going to go with Kraus by decision. I know how much of a threat Alves poses if a fight goes to the ground, but, you know, I think Kraus is in full acknowledgement of that, and I, I, I can see him sticking it out. And if he, if he went, if he's... If he's smart with his takedown defences and smart with his exchanges on the feet, then I can see him edging out, uh, edging out a close decision. Uh... Alves, submission, round two. Eric Anders, I'm going to go with a second round knockout. First round for myself. Well, another one. Like, when I originally looked at this card on paper, it didn't seem that static, but now looking at it, it's just fight after good fight. Uh, the John Moraga fight. I think, personally... I think Figueroa. I think he gets him out of there as well. Gets him out of there in one round. I'm gonna go with the first, if I'm honest. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm on That's the hype train for uh, Figueroa, very much so. By what method? <sighs> Man, you really think it's like it's like that? Like you can pick and choose? Huh? No, no, seriously, he's a, he's a well-rounded guy. He is, he is. Uh, to be honest with you... Um, I'm going to go by knockout, though. I, to think, be honest, I think he finishes on by strikes in the first, and I really believe that. You know Jared Brooks, right? The guy that knocked yeah. himself out against... Uh, so I went against, to, I, uh, Who was that against? Against Torres. Short Torres. That was right. I went to high school with Jared Brooks. Really? I did. Uh, I did in Warsaw, Indiana, at Warsaw Community High School. Jared Brooks was, I think, a two or three time. I can't remember because I moved to Ohio right. uh, after that, after the fact. Uh, I think two or three time, maybe three time, state wrestling champion Brooks mm. was, um, and he was a and he was a friend of mine. Uh, I don't say was as in past tense as in like I, I'm not sure if he will like remember me, but we like played hoops all the time together and right. stuff like that. Uh, really, really cool dude. Uh, 
and uh, he fought Figueredo mm-hmm. in Brazil, and he dominated the entire fight. But those people that mm-hmm. are were paid to judge fights in yeah. Brazil somehow, some way, like I'm telling you, man. Did like do do you remember that fight at all? Uh, I have watched the battle once some fight pass actually. I, I remember it being closer than I think you're making out. Uh I mean and and hey, before before I go out on this, mm. let let me just say, I am the I am absolutely not an advocate whatsoever for numbers telling the whole story. Yeah. I'm not at all. Because numbers don't tell the whole no, story. Absolutely not. Never have and they never will. However, when you read these numbers, they they are a little bit telling. Mm. Uh, and and I think this and what this has to do with Figueroa's fight tomorrow is I think it has to do a lot. I think Moraga is solid on, on the ground. I think Moraga is very well rounded. Mm. He has good take on defense. Yeah, uh, my pick is Figueroa by decision. Right. But yeah, total strikes. Jared Brooks eighty two. Davison Figueroa. 21. Mm. Takedowns. Jared Brooks, 7. Mm. Davidson Figueredo, 1. And he lost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, what? Yeah, no, I, like, I, I, I was, oh, man. I, I don't think I've ever been, like, as angry. Like, not upset. Like, I, I was full-on angry. Mm. At decision. I, I was not happy. Um. But Davison Figueredo is a good fighter. Yeah. Barberena and Ellenberger. I'm going to go with Barberena, first round knockout. Me as well. Angela Hill. I'm going to go with Angela Hill by decision. Me as well. Uh, Michael Johnson. Ah. I've got to be honest. When I kind of foresee this fight play out in my head, I do actually see it going the distance. Me as well. Uh, I, I lean back and forth. I've been leaning back and forth on this one in the oh, in, pick, in the recent days, but I'm it's gonna tough. go with Feely by decision. I am in. I am in agreement with you. And the main event of the evening, gonna go for a controversial one. James Vick by fourth round TKO. I got James Vick by third round TKO. Oh, maybe not that controversial, but. but uh, we we, no. again, we again had similar similar picks. Uh, yeah, um, a little bit more so than than last week's. Mm-hmm. Um, being that especially also last week was, you know, just doing because because on Bellator you can't pick the, the 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 prelims are so easy to pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But looking ahead to that, ne- looking ahead to next week, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Next week, you know, we we could really make we can really make these Friday episodes uh, kind of a normal thing. I don't. <laughs>